Hey, dentisting friends, this is Dr. Nacho. I'm so excited to be doing the Dental Nacho Supreme CE coming up soon. It is going to be 24 hours of live streamed virtual CE brought to you on your couch when you watch live. It counts as live. Miss an episode. It's going to be up in the group for the entire year. To learn more about this awesome opportunity, reach out to us at dentalnachos.com or email supreme at dentalnachos.com. My number one amigo, Rob, is going to be one of the uh, presenters for the Dental Nacho Supreme. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's going to be CE brought to you on your couch. Don't miss out. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery. I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Jerry Jones, who is one of the nation's top experts on professional practice marketing. Jerry has well over 20 years of experience and spends time developing and executing marketing strategies for his private dental clients and Clear Path Society members. His company, Jerry Jones Direct, is the number one internationally recognized membership-based boutique dental marketing and advertising firm focused both on patient retention and turnkey new patient solutions with clients in the U.S., England, Australia, and Canada. While not a dentist, uh, starting in 2003, Jerry opened a startup dental practice from scratch, a multi-doctor practice in Wellness Springs Dental of Salem, Oregon. Uh, He later held interest in as many as three offices. And then in May of 2018, Jerry sold his last office, completing the journey that he started in early 2003. So for over 15 years, Jerry and his team have conducted research and experiments with a variety of cutting-edge marketing and management techniques. And he now shares those exclusively with members of his ClearPath Society. And we'll talk to Jerry a little bit today about uh, ClearPath Society and what he does for uh, for his members. Uh, in addition, you know, in his free time, uh, Jerry publishes multiple newsletters and a magazine each month. He's off author of multiple books and speaks uh, around the world on a variety of topics such as startup practice marketing, mature practice growth and sustainability, new patient attraction and retention strategies, and decommoditizing dentistry and how to compete against big chains and win. And that's what we're really going to spend some time with Jerry awesome. today, uh, which is an important topic uh, out there. For I sure. Think, you know, on a lot of uh, dentists' mind, owner operators want to know that, hey, what, if, if what I'm doing here, am I going to still be relevant 20 yeah, years from now? me daily. And uh, so uh, I'm excited to, uh, to have Jerry on. Uh, and so without further ado, here's Jerry Jones. Welcome, amigo, and thanks for being on the show. Hey, amigos. Welcome. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. I mean, I'm looking at all these great folks who've appeared on your podcast. You guys have some wonderful people on here. 
So I, uh, I'm, I'm honored and, and thrilled, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get this going. Yeah, it's cool. Well, we're, we're honored to have you, and you were kind enough to have me on your show uh, a while back when I was sort of like a, a newbie in the podcasting world. It was before we had yeah, our, a new podcast, our podcast, uh, Paul, and I, I uh, enjoyed uh, enjoyed chatting with you, Jerry. So this will just be kind of a, a continuation of the, the Rob-Jerry chat, and we're going to throw uh, Dr. Nacho in for uh, yeah, a little thanks. extra spice. Yeah, right? no, no softball <laughs> questions here, uh, Jerry, although softball's played with a hardball. Never understood that, but uh, if we were in uh, Oregon and we were going out for nachos what's your uh, favorite topping and where would we go well i'm gonna have to start with a base topping of cheese <laughs> and, then we're gonna, and then we're gonna throw on some chicken because chicken I'm i like chicken. chicken guy so uh and then and then we're probably gonna just go right for uh, some after the cheese that's got to be some sharp cheddar from tillamook which is a great cheese place over on the coast um and then we'd have to throw some liquid nacho cheese on there because you know what's what's a good nacho without some fake cheese on it right Jerry, you're talking to two guys in Philadelphia. Yeah. So if, you, if you're talking about cheese whiz, we get it. Yeah, man. whiz that's, whiz. So that's a, that's its own yeah, food group. <laughs> Nachos whiz. I like it. I, I was out there last year for the uh, the ASA convention uh, speaking, so I have to come out there again. I, I enjoyed my time. Uh, it's a beautiful state. We're very very fortunate uh, out here. Um, so yeah, I love living in Oregon. It's a beautiful place and. And uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't suck. There are many places to live in this great country, but and I've lived in a few of them. And I, I really prefer the Northwest. It's really kind of where my heart's at and, and uh, where I feel most at home. So it's a great place. That's cool. I'm, I'm excited to get out there. I, I recently, uh, I should say recently, not too, too long ago, got uh, got licensed in, uh, in Oregon. So uh, need, to, uh, need to get out there. Yeah, thanks. And, and meet some folks. So uh, be a, a good excuse to... Uh, to check it out so uh and i will i will look you up and we will have some uh some uh some nachos wit maybe yeah i like that <laughs> i like it let's do it I'll, I'll be happy to happy to host that nacho event <laughs> um <laughs> hey jerry so uh as i said uh, at the outset we're uh we're really going to spend some time today talking about decommoditizing dentistry and you know how owner operators can compete against uh, big corporate but before we get into that uh if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about uh what you do with uh, jerry jones direct and uh what is the uh the clear path society sure you bet well um uh, it's it's really quite simple uh, 20 years ago, well, now, shoot, I say 20, it's now it's closer to 25. Uh, and we might actually, <laughs> thinking about it, we passed our 25-year mark this year. So 25 years ago, I got started in this industry, and I was sort of um, brought into it by a dentist here in Salem, where I live, and he's still practicing today, 25 years later. He's got a, um, he's opening a second practice, actually, in town. Um, but I started with this guy uh, as, a, as an editor for um, uh a, a practice management newsletter in dentistry. And this was really, this goes way back 25 years ago. It's called the profitable dentist. They're still around. They're a magazine today. Um, and my boss at that time that I was working for was a partner in this business with Dr. Woody Oaks. So it was uh, Travis McPhee and Woody Oaks. And these were two dentists who came together to put really, it was the first of its kind practice management newsletter. So they began doing seminars and all kinds of stuff. And there were all sorts of offshoot products that they had created and services that they had created and one of them was this newsletter service, and it was a patient newsletter service. So not like a not like a newsletter that you'd receive as a dentist on practice management, but as a patient uh, receiving a newsletter on a little bit about dentistry, but mostly about what was happening in the dental practice. So this is 25 years ago. Today, 25 years later, we're still 
offering that same service. And it's our number one service that we offer at Jerry Jones Direct, and it's a patient communication device. So it's something that is mailed on a monthly basis to your existing patients to get them to pay, stay, and refer. That's really what the, the, what the bottom line is on this process. And we call it today the patient compounding system because it increases referrals and it improves retention. And so in this, you know, this, this topic that we're talking about, how to compete against big chains and win or decommoditizing dentistry, it's perfect for that because this is really the, the ultimate tool in that fight. Um, so that, that's, that's one of the services that we offer, but essentially anything that you can think of when it comes to promoting dental practices, we've done it or provide it. So direct mail, website, SEO, pretty much all that online stuff with an exception, I'll say to social media. We're not big on, we don't push social media here. That's really something a practice if they're going to participate needs to do organically. They need to do it themselves. It's not really effective or as effective as a third party's doing it for you. So we stay away from the social media, but we leverage things like Facebook ads and Google AdWords and you know all those kinds of things online for our digital clients. But predominantly, we're sort of known in the industry as the direct mail folks. I mean, we've done we've been doing direct mail forever. We mail we've mailed tens of millions of pieces of direct mail over the years, and we're kind of one of these companies that's sort of under the radar. We're not, you know, I'm not out speaking on the circuit. I'm not running around doing, you know, gigantic seminars with a thousand people in it or anything like that. We're kind of under the radar. This business for me has really been, it's been very rewarding. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and it's, you know, we, we work with just a handful. I would say a handful. Now to some, some companies that might mean 2000 people in dentistry. It's more like, you know, a couple hundred docs are, are what we work with at any given time. So we're a small business, a small company. I have a small team of people, um, very, uh, great group of people, Two of the folks at Jerry Jones Direct out of the four total that we have, I mean, like I said, we're a small company, uh, have been with me for 15 years or more, uh, the longest 25 years, the same length of time as me. So we've got some real veterans when it comes to marketing, working here at Jerry Jones Direct, helping our docs. So It's nice to have uh, a team that doesn't turn over on a regular yeah. basis. Paul and I talk about that in, in our, in our yeah. context, too, in the dental practice and the legal practice. It makes a difference, you know, if you're not... You know, Tom, Tom, Tom Brady is, and Bill Belichick are not are not going through a new system every every season. No, and you know the 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 value of that is evident, right? I mean, when you start putting up Super Bowl wins year after year after year, and you've got an aging quarterback who's got to be hurting more and more every year, uh, even even though he's got a wife who's probably you know only feeding him uh, you know grains and tiny bits of chicken here and there. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's a poor Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, I, don't yeah, we all feel sorry yeah. for him? Yeah. Everybody feels sorry for Tom. Let's get him on the show and see if he can share his, his, his annoyances he has in life. Yeah. Oh, and that darn wife show. of his, man, no, she's, she's no darn good. No, no, no annoyances on Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's just get Giselle on the show to help Tom. <laughs> yeah. And then I think we could, I think we could then do YouTube and, and maybe get some views. I'm thinking that that would help. Hard. I think that would help grow our, our audience. I, <laughs> I think it would. Yeah. But like me, then you'd have a bunch of people that were not in dentistry calling you. So that's one of the bad things about having my name is I, we probably have in any given weekend, 20 to 30 voicemails of people calling and bitching about Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys are, how come you did it? How come you did that? I can't believe the way you guys played last night. So it, it, it does get a little old. But uh, we've actually had to change our phone number because of it. It's gotten so bad. But anyway, um, so Jerry Jones Direct is, like you said, it's a membership-based business. So all of, the, all of the people that we work with are members, and they come on board in a membership capacity. Membership means that they get pretty much the vast majority of the systems I created for my own dental practices. 
they get those as, as tools, as systems to implement in their own practice. So I'll give you an example, one of the biggest ones that's really popular right now that I created 20, well, 15, 16, 17, 17 years ago, I created it. We called it the Dental Healthcare Club. And it was a way for our uninsured patients to pay for their basic routine dental care uh, in, in 12 monthly installments every month or every year. So we, what, all we did was we just broke down, you know, hygiene, uh, hygiene visits, exams, x-rays, uh, maybe an emergency exam. We b- looked at that. What does it cost for a year? And then we divided it by 12, took a little discount. And that began our dental health care club. And those folks also would get 10% off any, any procedure they needed, any procedure. didn't matter what it was. No waiting periods, none of that, whatever. So the Dental Healthcare Club, which today, you know, there's a lot of companies out there offering this club or plan, which it's a mistake to call it a plan. I see people doing that all the time. You're going to get yourself in trouble with the insurance commission if you're not careful. But um, we called it a club, um, and it, it was great for all of our insured patients. We plugged them into it, and we had a tremendous cash flow when I sold my company, or I sold my last dental practice uh, about a year and a half ago. So anyway, Jerry Jones Direct is taking all the stuff that I did in my own office, all the experiments we ran, all the great systems and tools that we created, and, and put it into a membership program for doctors to take advantage of the stuff that we've created. So that's, that's what ClearPath Society is all about. So there's a couple of different components of Jerry Jones Direct, but essentially we're for docs who've been in practice for you know, 10, 15 years, who are tired of scuffing their knees, tired of biting it. They're tired of, you know, of failing at marketing their practice and they want some real expert help. So that's what we provide. Sounds like a great, great, great uh, asset to the dental community. I, I really like the, you, you gave us a good, I like Nacho Tips, calling it an in-house membership savings club and not plan, right? Because of the in, insurance related challenges. Yeah, that can get you in trouble if you're not careful. And, and uh, the only reason I know that, Paul, is because I might have... Might have had my hands flat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know that's how, that's how you learn a lot of things. That's what we that's do exactly for our, right. for our clients. You know, we uh, take the uh, the our personal experiences and the the experience of others, and we hopefully uh, advise them to not do what that other person yeah, did or perfect. don't do what I did, and uh, and help them to avoid trouble and uh, and be sex, uh, successful and prosperous. Right. Um, so. Uh, Decommoditizing dentistry, right? So, Jerry, this is, you know, something obviously on a lot of owner operators' mind, and and actually, maybe decommoditizing dentistry may not be on their mind. I think what is on their mind is how to compete against big chains and how do we win. And I think, you know, guys like you and Paul and myself, you know, talk about decommoditizing dentistry as being one of those uh, one of those ways to to do that, but. You know, there's definitely a concern, rightfully so, and I think sometimes, though, kind of overinflated that, hey, I'm an owner-operator, and uh, is there going to be a place for me 20 years from now because DSOs are coming and they're going to take over the world and and I'll never be able to own my dental practice and there won't be any privately owned dental practices. And I hear stats all the time that, honestly, I can't even recite because I forget them, like how much, you know, additional penetration comes in annually and what the forecast is five years from now as to how few of owner-operators are going to be, which... 
to be honest, I, I take with a grain of salt. You know, I was around in the in the early 90s when there was all kinds of IPOs and Wall Street money coming into the space. And everybody thought that that was the end of the owner operator then. And guess what? One day they all left and that was that. And then, you know, 15 years or so later, it kind of ramped up again. And uh, so I, I've seen these cycles before, and I'm not I'm not convinced that this is the the new world order. Though things have changed, but you know I feel pretty strongly. And when I talk to uh, to dentists and give seminars, that you know this is a you know certainly the competition or a competitor that you need to be aware of, but that you need to compete with as an owner operator and that doesn't mean that you just show up and hang out a shingle and don't do all the things that you need to be a quote-unquote competitor but that you know it is a competition and it's a competition uh that has not been lost uh for for the owner operator so you know what do you see jerry you know in your your heading and i know this is one of your one of your big topics and one of the things that you you know you preach about which is you know decommoditizing dentistry what does that mean to jerry jones and i just want to chime in quickly jerry just to add to rob's uh point is um i don't know how you get to coin a phrase like a penny saved penny earned maybe ben franklin didn't say it who knows they just said he said it because uh <laughs> rob's friend and my friend jamie amos one time put my face up on a, a screen in jamaica and it said, this guy uh, coined the phrase, the Amazoning of dentistry. That was me. So I'm just saying, I've started talking about this about two years ago, the Amazoning of dentistry, where, you know, in the Goodman household, if you order protein powder and you go to Amazon and it's from the Garden of Life, you just pick the cheapest one. Because why would you pay 25 when you can pay 20? Because it doesn't come in the same canister. You know, yada, yada, to use a Seinfeld term and buying a lot of toys and things from Amazon. It doesn't always mean they're all the same, but let's just accept that paper towels and protein shakes are the same. And I really believe as a dentist who's been doing this for 17 years and also working in a dental practice since I was like five through my dad, that what I, the number of times you hear insurance, the number of times patients are, are, are shifting dentists because of it, the trend to me is concerning as an owner operator, a dentist, a Dr. Nacho. So I'm excited to hear your, your thoughts on it. And I just wanted to chime in, uh, take this time to kind of say that I invented the Amazon of dentistry. I don't know if it's allowed. Is that allowed, Rob? Can I copyright it? I'm not sure. I'm in a law office. Give me a gavel. It's done, right? We're done. Yeah. I think we can copyright it. Amazon may have some issues with it. Uh, Amazoning. I've changed it. Amazoning of dentistry, right? That's substantially similar. And and, and Paul, you are by all means allowed to chime in at any time because this is 50% of your podcast. Thanks. I appreciate it. So I just wanted to kind of put that framework of uh, Rob, the attorney, and Paul. This is a Perfect, Rob. Rob, the dental focus attorney, and Paul, the the dentist type of thing for you, Jerry. Now I'll, I'll let you uh, uh, do your chiming. I don't even know where to start. You guys crack me up. I, this ban- you guys have a great banter. I appreciate that, and uh, I love it. Thanks, it's Jerry. Entertaining. And but but here's the thing. I think a lot of people that are m- listening to this might be missing some of the some of the really crucial things you're saying, um, Paul. Because I mean, this. Well, maybe they're not. I, I shouldn't say they're maybe missing it, but I think the to underscore the importance of some of the things you said, right? Amazon. I mean, wow. Uh, now we've got Smile Direct Club, right? So they're trying to Amazon dentistry, ortho specifically. Um, and, and it's good news that for some, I suppose, that their stock's down. Not me, because I did buy about 10 shares of their stocks when, <laughs> when they went public because I wanted to snoop on them. Smart, right, right. right. But, uh, but now that stock's darn near worthless from my understanding of. But anyway. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in dentistry, and there's a lot of threats to the individual solo practitioner. I think one of those threats 
one of those is is the commoditization, right? I mean, you you mentioned in our pre in our pre call conversation about you know having patients that leave due to insurance, and we can get into why patients stray in a little bit. But um, I think what I would recommend everyone listening to this podcast read go get a book on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever some some bookstore. It's you'll find it. It's a very popular book. It was written by Al Rees and Jack Jack Trout. And it's called Differentiator Die. Every dentist should read that book, not once, not twice, but probably a half dozen times for it to really sink in. But that book is key in helping you understand what must take place to set your practice apart from everyone else's. Because the only way you're going to compete, let alone win, is by differentiating your practice from all the others in your community. That means not just Aspen or Pacific Dental or whatever. That means all the other guys in your community, all the other gals in your community, you have to differentiate. You have to be able to communicate clearly and concisely to prospective patients why they should choose you versus anyone else. Um, and I'll give you an example. Aspen, I saw a commercial, I heard a commercial this morning for Aspen Dental. One of their taglines or one of their, one of the things they, one, one drum they beat a lot is financing. We'll finance you, right? How many dentists that you know of personally are beating that drum. We'll finance your treatment. Now, in most cases, if they are beating that drum, they're talking about care credit, which you and I both know care credit typically only likes a credit, which, you know, if you don't have a 675 or above, most of the time, you're probably not going to get approved for care credit. There's a lot of people in that 600 to 675 credit score range that are great people, but can't qualify for care credit. They've had great long-term jobs or they own their own business. I mean, get this, there was a time I was, I had, I had a couple companies earning well into the seven figures every year, each one of them, and had been for years, but I had so much personal, a variety of personal debt to support those companies. They were all very profitable, and I was making a lot of money. I couldn't qualify for a mattress loan, which meant if I went into a place like, you know, well, almost any dental practice in America to try and qualify for care credit, it wouldn't have happened. So I look at that, you know, there's a, there's a unique position there that Aspen has taken. We'll finance you. And they're very upfront about it. And I, there's a ton of dough in financing. That's why all the banks have the biggest buildings, right? Um, we're not talking about financing on this podcast, I realize, but that's one way to differentiate. But realistically, every practice owner has something that they do, something that they feel, something that they, you know, have inside their little world that differentiates them from all the other dentists. You might be perhaps an inventor of a dental product. You might be the inventor of something related to dentistry. You might have a unique twist on dentistry that is nutrition-related. You might be the only dentist in town that has a certain, you know, advanced training. Um, You know, maybe you're the only only gun in town that's doing sleep dentistry. Uh, You know, there's a lot of different ways to differentiate and and give prospective patients a view as to why they should be choosing you versus, versus someone else. So I think really the lesson, the first lesson is, is that is you've got to be willing to stick your neck out and be different. And you have to be very clear and concise and understand that what you're saying has to impact a patient's choice. It can't be, well, I've been in dentistry for 25 years. So what? Or I've got a cone beam. So what? What does that mean to me? Right? So you have to translate the benefits of what it is you do into differentiators to the public so they can understand it. 
Um, back in 2015. Well, and I stopped you for a okay, second. Okay. I mean, I think that's really yep. cool. And, and I think a lot of people sort of gloss over that, that, you know, you have to do something that is meaningful to you. And it's not just like, hey, here's the blueprint to have a successful practice, which a lot of people want to know, you know, a lot of dentists that we deal with, tell me how to do it. What's the way to do it? You know, and, and whether you're talking about consulting, marketing, uh, legal services, there's no one size fits all, you know, that everybody's got their talents, everybody's got their skills. And if you really, you know, reflect on what those things are, what is your vision for your practice, what you do well, and what can differentiate you, then you can really spend a lot of time in a way that's meaningful, exercising something that's passionate to you to deliver something that's that's real and, and special. And I think a lot of times, I think dentists sort of underestimate you know what their you know their ability to make an impact is because if you look at i mean we all have small businesses the three of us right so you know if we decide today hey i got i got an idea how to do something better we can do it and we can change our mind we can we can you know we can pivot do something else and try a bunch of things we could try whatever hypothetically whatever 10 different marketing strategies in you know in a given in a given year or or 18 months before you get to the right thing but when you and so we're we're very nimble you know as a small organization or a small business that is a huge advantage too over over the aspens and the big uh, and the big corporations. I mean, they really have to spend some time figuring out which way they're going because, you know, it's a lot easier to turn an 18-foot boat around than a cruise ship. And, you know, for them, they don't have the luxury of being as responsive or they don't have the ability to experiment as much. You know, that if they want to experiment with software or other consulting project uh, products, it's super expensive because they've got such a giant company that they have to spend that money on, but not us, and you know, and not, I would not like, dentists. I would like saying i like rob's take and yours too jerry but maybe you know i'm the only dentist on this podcast right now don't be jealous but uh you know the uh you know if you want i've tried to arrange where rob's going to do a filling fantasy camp somehow i'm not sure maybe i'll just let him do it on me who can i'll sacrifice my tooth just show him how hard it is i'll be like man i'm glad i don't do this time. but i do want to say something we talk a lot on this podcast about treating dentists treating dentistry like any other business we've had all these great people on here from all different aspects of the business world so maybe we just take a pause from it and, and look at what you guys do compared to a general dentist and I'm, uh, you know, you, Jerry, have decided to do marketing for dentists, right? So you don't do marketing for everybody. And Rob does uh, attorneying, if that's the right word for it, attorneying for dentists. So if you walk in here and say, you know, I got an offender bender outside, Rob says you can go somewhere else. And if I came to you and said, I want to market for my, uh, you know, new nacho recipe, Jerry, you could say you could go somewhere else. But maybe the time has come with dentistry. One of the challenges we face and I face is you know, what to focus on. You mentioned a few things there, you know, sleep dentistry, but I just think it's important for our listeners who are a lot of general dentists listening to this for us to embrace them in a way that we understand their challenges. Because do you know the number of things that general dentists have to sell inside their practice is so overwhelming and it's hard to differentiate yourself when you have to sell 20 different products each day, not impossible. But I just kind of want you to share, maybe that could be a theme, because I'm talking with two business owners that have focused on certain things to be successful. And in the dental space, Jerry, do you guys market with specialists at all? Do specialists utilize your service? Absolutely. Yeah, um, so, not only do we have specialists, we have physicians even. So, um, But I don't know, attorneys, if you, if you have some I mean, periodontists, endodontists, and oral surgeons, as I know Rob does his clients, they are very successful uh, dentists because I believe it's because of their focus, right? And I'm just would love to get some insight, not necessarily the answer as to how a general dentist, the majority of our listeners and the majority of dentists 
can do that thing to differentiate themselves while they have to do so many other procedures well at the same time. So solve that for us. That will be helpful. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question. It's a great challenge. And you actually set me up really well for this. Um, So a couple of things, what you're talking about, riches and niches. I mean, one of the reasons why an orthodontist or a, you know, I'm working with uh, an oral surgeon right now outside of Chicago uh, and we're creating a basically a direct-to-consumer pitch as opposed to, you know, him relying on referrals because there's some weird stuff going on with referring dentists, and so we're going direct-to-consumer. So differentiation, I mean, there's there's three areas you can focus on for differentiation, no matter if you're a general dentist or if you're an orthodontist or whatever, because even orthos, I mean, there's a lot of competition in, in Salem, Oregon for orthodontists. It's, there's, there's only three things that you can that you can really tweak. Place, place strategy. In other words, where is your practice, Right. Where's your practice? What does it look like? Is it accessible? Is it visible? I mean, you know, all the place type stuff. Then the most important thing are the people. Um, you know, I, every dentist I've ever talked to, when I ask them this question, do you have anybody on your team that needs to be fired? Nine times out of 10, what's my answer that I'm hearing? What do you think it is, Paul? Oh, yes, but I can't survive without yeah. him. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's like, well, why can't you survive without him? Well, because if I lose my DA, then I can't, you know, blah, blah, blah like, okay, well, you know, how long have you known you've had the problem? Well, a good six months to a year, three years, five years, whatever that, you know, it's like, well, start looking, <laughs> you know, start looking to replace that person, find someone and fire their butt, get them out, out the door. But people, so you have a place and you have people, the people in a practice, you know, practices that have had, that have undergone an upgrade in team members and staff employees. Um, I've seen a change, a swing of as much as 50% in a year from production, same dentist. Hmm. different team, 50% swing in production. So that's going from losing money to making a great deal of money in 12 months, all because the people change. So people are a massive differentiator. Quick story about a a practice in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, who literally drove Aspen out not once, but twice. So Aspen comes to town. These guys have a smoking practice. Their practice, I would say, is 90% all about the people and 10% about everything else. So they, this guy, very smart, he hired the best people he could find, and he pays them better than any place else in town. And they have the best team environment. He's a great leader, by the way. Uh, he's not a mamby pamby wishy washy kind of guy. He's, he's, you know, he's he's got both, you know, both legs in his pants and a belt on, and he's a good leader. So, uh, but he's but he surrounded himself with a great team of people, recognizing that dentistry to to the populace, to the consumer is a commodity. You know, one dentist is another dentist is, they don't understand the difference. So to help them understand the difference, you have to put, you have to put the right people in place. You have to have the right place. You have to have the right people in. And then really the last component of that is process. What is your process? What does your process look like? And just as something as simple as when the phone rings, what happens? Does it go to voicemail? Does some grumpy old grouchy, you know, person answer the phone? Dental practice or dental office, you know, how, how, what's that patient experience like? So you have to look at the processes. So those are the three things that every dentist can influence to improve their situation almost overnight. Process people in place, right? Unless you just signed a lease on a bad place for the next 10 years, you're stuck on the last two people in, in process. But those are the three things to, to really tweak and make your practice different than every other practice. It doesn't matter where at. Another quick story. Um, uh, Alex, uh, a, a dentist, a, client, a long-term client of mine by the name of Alex White. He's down in Mobile, Alabama. Alex has a great location, so his place is right. He's got great people in his practice. He's got great processes. Alex has been successful for years. Well, 
he called me one day. He's like, Jerry, he goes, uh, I'm concerned because Kitty Corner for me, Aspen Dental is opening up. I'm like, sweet. That means that they think your community is a good risk for them. That means that you can do more than what you're doing. So Alex, now's mm. the time to double down and really make, really make some inroads into not just your patient base and reinforcing that relationship you have with them by regular communication, but also we just need to beat the daylights out of everybody within a two to three mile radius that could be your patient. I mean, we really need to aggressively market now that Aspen is here because we can't wait for them to come in and, and do their thing. Because when Aspen opens up the location, boom, it's like blanket central. They're beating the daylights out of every media that they can buy. So uh, consequently, Alex, Alex's, uh, the invasion of Aspen into Alex's turf was a non-event for him. In fact, his numbers went up, um, in part because he got more aggressive with marketing. But it's nothing to be afraid of. It's, you have to have a strategy. You have to understand what you're up against. And you have to have those three things in place, people, process, and place. To have those, in, those things tweaked optimally to be successful when no matter who moves into town. What I think, Jerry, and I like that concept a lot, and, I, and uh, Rob and I have stood at this magical corner, 13th and Sansom in Philadelphia, and I actually just did a video on this because there's about 10 restaurants that you know are, are world-class, and there's probably five restaurants that are above average, and then there's a few, another few restaurants that are you know good. You know, I, I like what you said about Aspen and your, and your client. One of the things that, that we talk about a lot, and you know, we talk about competition, but why can't there be more complementary dental places near each other where you know, the patient who's going to go to a high-end fee-for-service practice to get veneers is different than a 27-year-old who's going to get their teeth cleaned. And sometimes I feel dentists try to be everything to everybody, and it would be better off if there was a dental practice near them that could service. You know, I, at Rob and I have, and if you come to Philly, we'll take you there, talk about Elvez, Chipotle, and Taco Bell. And I actually go to all three of those places. I haven't been to Taco Bell in a long time, maybe college, 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's not like I wouldn't if I was with my family sometime. And, and I sometimes am in a different consumer place. And I just think dentists have just got this scarcity mindset from dental school because they run us through the dental student hunger games. It's not toxic or anything to take people who are bright and make them compete over things for four years. It just turns out <laughs> awesome. Everyone loves each other at the end. Dig. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my thing is, you know, I like that Aspen and your client example, if you stick with that, because that's what I get a lot of my dental nachos group. And is there a way for dentists to think of these dental, other dental businesses as, not competitors, but complementary to what they're doing and maybe raising the awareness of dental care overall in the, in the region. Hmm. I think there's, I think there's always room for that. I mean, to me, that's cooperation, right? Um, I, I was reading, there's a book I'm writing right now. I'm in the middle of writing it. Uh, it's an interesting process I'm going through. I'm writing with Dr. Roger Levin and oh, Roger's you. writing basically a commentary on the book. I'm writing a commentary on the, on the book and the book is 105 or 10 years old. It's an old, old book, and it's all on dental practice management, if you can believe it. Um, so this book, inside this book, that the dent, one of the, that the, the the father figure, brother Bill, is this guy's name, is being he gets a lot of letters from younger dentists who are struggling. Does this sound familiar? I mean, this, you know, it sounds like, <laughs> 105 years, like things have not changed. Yeah, right? no, nothing's changed. It's like my <laughs> Facebook Messenger inbox, but in the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, yeah, it's literally. I mean, it's, it's hilarious as you read. I've been. I, I've had these books for 15 or 20 years now, and I've never done anything with them. And so finally, Roger and I decided to do this project. It's going to be a lot of fun. But anyway, so this uh, this dentist is writing to a younger dentist who's you know who's struggling uh, in in a couple of different areas. And one of the suggestions he makes is 
um, you know, as you improve, as your skill set improves, you should be willing to send uh, people who are not willing to pay your fees and who are not ready for the kind of dentistry that you provide. You should have some place you can send them. And typically that's to the younger dentist down the street. This is what I did for, you know, when I started, I was that younger dentist. I was getting whatever the discards were from, you know, from the, the dentist in my town. I worked my way up, you know, and I raised my fees along the way as I got better. And so now when somebody comes to me and they're not prepared to pay my five and a half dollars for a filling, I'm sending them down the street to somebody that'll do it for $3 and 50 cents. So there's that cooperation and there's, a, you know, now that's a hierarchy, but that's a different, that's a different sort of uh, conversation. But my, but my point is you're right. I mean, there's, there's opportunity for cooperation. So in Salem, Oregon, for the dentist that wants to do sleep dentistry, and that's really what he or she wants to focus on, they should be a great referral source to other dentists who are not interested in sleep dentistry and who have patients who, you know, who would, who would love to have a crown and bridge, you know, uh, a patient or who would love to just add to their hygiene schedule. So, yeah, I mean, this is where you've got to get out and you've got you to talk to people, right? You've got to go and you've got to talk to the dentist across the street. You've got to have conversations with dentists across town. I mean, you have to get out there and, and you know, grip and grin, as the politicians call it. So this, there's a, when you stay hidden in your practice and, you know, you just do your thing 35, 40 hours a week and you go home and, and you're sort of isolated and you're not out there talking to other dentists and making relationships and creating opportunities, you're, you, you know, you're kind of an island uh, all alone and it's very lonely and you're certainly not going to have the, the best business you could have if you were, you know, if you were out there, you know, communicating and talking and working with other practices who maybe do want to specialize, so to speak, but they don't know what to do. So, I mean, yeah, you got to have these conversations. I think there's opportunity for that everywhere. Um, I mean, like you said, I go to like four different Mexican restaurants myself. I go to Taco Time, Taco Bell, Chipotle, Qdoba. We have Qdoba out here in the Northwest. Wait till you guys taste their cheese sauce when they make <laughs> it out there to you someday. When we got some Qdobas around. Yeah, we, yeah, we got Qdobas yeah. around. I like it. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that's I, I'm I'm a I'm I go to all those places. So if I go to one dentist for sleep dentistry and I go to another one for my cleanings, I go to another one for something else. I mean, <clears throat> what is the problem with that? But I think you're right. Dentists are overwhelmed at all the possibilities, and it's difficult to focus on one thing. And the challenge that you know this comes to me as a marketer, they'll say, Hey Jerry, what do we do? I said, Look, right now, what you need to focus on is getting a butt in the chair. It doesn't matter what kind of dentistry they need, as long as you could deliver it. You need to get a butt in the chair. Once you get stable and you start to see, you know, reliable income coming in, then and you have the ability to begin to sort of focus on an area, then focus on an area, whether that's ortho. I've got one, I've got a dentist in Atlanta that's just hot on Invisalign and he's cranking it out. But the reason why he's doing so many cases is because that's his focus. That's what he's looking for. And he's, you know, he's forgoing other opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of message in there. Uh, in this conversation, I think, you know, it's just about picking out what's going to work best for you. But yeah, you've got, you've got to focus, but you can't really focus until you get some stability in income. Well, Does I that think make sense, Paul? That's an interesting sure? thing, though, too. And I think that's a trap for all professionals that are, you know, have small, medium-sized professional practices is, is making that transition. Like, you, you know that you have to make enough money to be able to pay the bills. But then after you kind of go over that, that hump, you have to be aware that, okay, now we're in a different world. We're playing a different game. 
You know, now it's no longer about scarcity. Now it's about being more selective. It's a different business now, you know, and I think it's sort of like the the depression baby mentality that, you know, and, uh, you know, yours truly is, is oftentimes guilty of this, that you remember the days when you started your practice or when things were tough and like the concept of turning somebody away or not being everything to everybody, which you used to be, yeah. becomes really hard to separate yourself from. But I think, you know, if reflecting on this stuff and, and planning and strategizing and just, you know, evaluating on a regular basis your business, right? And thinking about what it is that you're doing, where you are now and where you want to go, and setting a plan to compete is 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 an essential process, if nothing more than, you know, to get through your, you know, your head that I'm in a different place now. You know, I am no longer at the Taco Bell. I am now at Chipotle or now that I've gone beyond Chipotle, I'm now at Elvez. Like, and now, you know, you need a different menu. Yeah. You need a different team. You may need a different presentation, different marketing, you know, uh, uh, you know, Elvez doesn't advertise the same way the Taco Bell does, right? Well, you, so, you said something really. Product. You said something really awesome, Jerry, which comes into the stuff I love. Dentists meeting face to face is just a problem. Den all dentists dislike each other from the dental student hunger game, so we have that to go over. But I have to say is it requires this C word. So you said cooperate. We said co cooperation, complementary. Um, competition, but this is really the C word. It requires collaboration and it requires dentists to sit with each other face to face and talk about their businesses. I've really yet to see this in Pratt in the, in the wild at all. I've tried to develop it. I've tried to create it. And I'm not talking about someone going to a study club and talking about dentistry that, that they can do. I'm talking about the dentist in the area, like you described, which would be a great one. You know, I've, I've, I've thought of, um, doing a practice that was just implants and cleanings. And we would just refer everything else out to the people in the area. And we would get great relationships with people in the area. And if they needed a root canal, they needed a crown, they needed a veneer, they needed whitening, they needed anything else. We'd say, you have to go see this guy who I work with or this girl who I work collaborate with, not even not even under the same business model. But the, the missing piece is, or maybe some of your clients are doing it and you can tell us how, how are they com collaborating, not colluding, collaborating with the other dentists in the area? I think you you hit the nail on the head. Just this last the last couple sentences that you. I'm just said. gonna ask you to call uh, me up every now and then and just talk to me about all these nice things, Jerry, because I really appreciate it. I hope this is not <laughs> gonna watch this, listens to this episode because you've said four or five times my great questions hit the nail on the head. We should do this all the time. So thanks. <laughs> it's a good ego booster for <laughs> both of us. Um, you know, I, uh, there's there's a number of ways to do this. I was talking to a dentist in uh, Florida. He has uh, three practices. He's doing really well. Um, the challenge is he's kind of bored and he's got a private equity firm looking at his three practices. And his comment to me was, I think I just want to go open up a sleep practice down by the beach and call it good. And I said, Hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually far easier than I think most people think it, it has to be, you know, most people there's, there's, well, for example, every month we get dental town or we get some, some magazine dental economics, and there's this, you know, really nice, uh, sales pitch in there for the dental MBA or something like that. Um, and or the, the dental sleep MBA or whatever. So there's this real big crowd of mystery around, you know, how do we make a dental practice a real profitable sleep dental business? Well, I mean, look, let's just cut to the chase. Go buy a retired physician, throw him in a dental, throw him in a small little dental office. And that doesn't even have to be a dental office. Throw him in an exam room, hire the guy for three hours a day. Even if he has a, you know, a sloppy drunk drinking problem, he can run. He can <laughs> recommend sleep tests, right? Like Doc Hollywood. I like that. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, look, let's not make it overly complicated. Go buy a physician. You know, retired physicians will work for food practically. Um, <laughs> so, you know, go buy one, set up a little small one-room office, 600 square feet, make it really, really nice, really first class. Have a drippy, sweet person answering the phone that can sell the daylights, you know, can sell ice to Eskimos, dirt to dirt farmers or whatever, and, and do your thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. It really doesn't. You know, I mean, setting up all these referral networks and all this crap. No, go buy a physician. They're cheap. You know, I mean, how many cases do you need to do a month that the physician's going to recommend to get a sleep test and then come back and he's going to say, well, there's two options. You can do CPAP or you can do this. You know, <laughs> um, I'll do the sleep appliance. Gee, what a coincidence. There's a dentist in the practice. We can, we can help you with that. So, hey, Jerry, it's not a crazy concept because dentists all say it. Private equity groups buy dentists. You know, in, in a similar way, to, to be perfectly crass about it, you know, like yeah. it's called yes. business, right? That's, That's right. very true. Well, yeah. <laughs> hey, I, when I opened a dental office, I couldn't do the dental work because I'm not a dentist. I had to go buy a dentist. So I bought several and put them in an office and, uh-huh. and I made money off of it. Right. It was a great arrangement. So there's nothing wrong with that. So I think you got to think outside the box and, and just look at this and, and look at most of the p- problems you have in practice. They're not clinical issues. They're, they're business issues. And so try and not look at them through the lens of a dentist. Try and look at them through the lens of anybody but a dentist from the consumer. You know, and here's another weird, well, I won't get into that, but I mean, there's, there's lots of things that we should be doing with our business and looking through the lens of not being a dentist, but something else. So I, yeah, I think there's, you know, there's opportunity to focus there and, and you, but you got to get out and start talking to people. Um, you got to, you know, you have, you can't stay hidden you, and expect great things to happen. You know, it's the dentist who wants more new patients, but is not willing to do anything to get them. Right. So that's, it's kind of the same thing. I like Jerry, and I, I, I like to ask, cause I've used this podcast for, I talked to Rob a lot for free legal advice, but it's fair. Cause he, I give him a free nacho advice. So it's pretty much exactly <laughs> the same. So I want some free marketing advice and maybe I can use this cause I know this will resonate with our listeners. So while Rob, you know, and I, we're clo- very close amigos says, you know, the, the battle hasn't been lost and all these things. I agree with those things, but I, I also believe that stories and trends are important, right? I do just noticing stuff, you know, whether you live in Philadelphia and you notice that this one block is changing for the better or the worse, and you can't do a study on it, but you walk by it all the time and you notice that, man, it's getting better or worse. And for me with dentistry, when it comes to this insurance related issue for patients, I see it getting progressively worse and on the decline. And I'll just use this real world example that happened yesterday. Maybe you and Rob can help help me. So we're a practice that's been in business for decades, both offices. We purchased practice, been there for decades. Um, so think of your own clients. You know, they this this patient loves us. Uh, but recently came in and, and left us a three-star review, but it was just such a telling one because she said, I love this practice. The dentist in it is great. It's our associate. She is great. gentle, So gentle, and it doesn't push a lot of dental treatment, just like I like. But I'm li- leaving this disappointed review because I heard that they may be uh, dropping my insurance. And if they drop my insurance plan, I'm going to have to find another office. Now, before we continue, this is littered all over dental nachos all the time, this story of this. And what I want to break down for the listeners and for you guys, just, you know, and I know, you know, as a previous practice owner, Jerry, is we have determined that there's an insurance spoiled guac PPO, which is impossible for us to be profitable utilizing this insurance. We've tried We've done all kinds of different things, work faster, do this. And we've said, we cannot do it. 
Now, there's other dentists that take spoiled guac PPO, and I don't know how they, in air quotes, make it work. So some people say they just make it work. So this patient is going to go leave our office like this down the street to another person who takes it because they say, hey, this, this dentist takes my insurance. And I'm actually thinking a lot of dentists are good dentists, and I think they'll, she'll, this patient will have a, a fine experience. But the things that I'm concerned about is what happens when spoiled guac PPO turns into hard candy DMO. That's my other one. And then that dentist says, oh, I can't take hard candy DMO. You have to keep going. And, you know, I know this is sometimes in a dramatic way called the race to the bottom, but I would like to just call it the circle of annoyance because that's what I call it, the circle of annoyance, (laughs) because we did everything right for this patient. But unfortunately, the patient was insurancified and we accepted a fees for our treatment that were less than what our list fees were. The patient got used to it. Now we said, hey, we can't do it anymore. So how do practices and dentists begin to handle this challenge? Well, um, I mean, you've, you've got really two options. You participate or you don't. You've made your decision you're not going to. Uh, that patient has more or less made their decision that they're not going to play in your sandbox if you will not participate. Um, my comment, uh, although it may be hard for you to stomach initially, is good riddance. So, I mean, here's the deal. Almost all of your patients will stray at one point or another. They're either going to go to find out what's new, what's, what's old, uh, who's referring who, who's got the better Groupon deal, I mean, you can do, you know, and you can really lose sleep over all that stuff, or you can simply go, who cares? I'm just going to replace them. And I'm going to focus on those who have the highest value to me as a dentist. So if we're looking at 80-20, right, if, if, our, if your listeners are familiar with 80-20, 80% of your profits come from 20% of your patients. And I challenge anyone to actually do that exercise. Take one month, take one week. 80% of your patients are rather 20% of your patients are going to provide 80% of your profit. Oh, I believe that yeah. that's I've, t- right? I've referenced that many times. Okay. For so sure. I've done the math in my own dental office. I've done the math in every business I've ever had. So let me ask you, was that patient a part of the 20% or the 80%? Was she part of the 20% that's going to provide 80% of your profits or was she part of the 80% that provides 20% of your profits? Um, so, the, the other, the other one, and it's a good one. This is just our insurance based practice. The challenging part is sometimes this is like 50% of our patient base. So we make these decisions. It's such a, it's a hard shift to make mid game. I'm not, I'm not just dis- disputing which one, you. Which one was she, Paul? Oh, Sorry she was in the, you know, the, uh, the cleanings and exams the and 80, x-rays are, you know, yeah, not the profitable the procedure. Yeah, yeah right. the 80%. Right, right. So no matter what you do, no matter how you try to appease that patient, she, he, and the others that are like her will, will flow through your practice and, and never to be retained. And so the challenge then is to not lose sleep over these who come and go, but rather the ones who pay, stay, and refer. So your, your practice that has 50% insurance, you know, you got to look in the mirror on that one right? You got to go, I created that beast. It's mine to own. And if I want to change it, then I've got to take steps to change it from predominantly insurance to more fee-for-service based, right? So that starts with marketing. That starts with who you attract and how you attract them. So, you know, and at the end of the day, whether patients pay, stay, and refer, or they leave, it boils down to one key component. And this is not anything you've heard ever before. It's interest in you and the people in your practice. It is not interest in your products or services, how pretty your building is or anything else. It's interest 
they hold in you and the people in your practice. The minute they lose interest in the people in your practice and they have even, you know, a stiff breeze blows by and it smells like nachos somewhere else, they're out the door going to find another plate of nachos at another practice. So you don't worry about those who come and go. You worry about those who, who you have an opportunity to retain and you focus your time, energy, effort, and service on those who pay, stay, and refer. To hell, in short, to hell with everyone else and let them do what they're going to do because you can't, you can't win against someone who's making a decision based on what insurance you take or you don't take. You can't. And so to waste time on it is a fool's errand. Instead, pour time into who you can retain and invest money, time, and effort into building a great team to retain those people. Because again, it all boils down to interest. People come to you and they've been coming to you and your dad and your grandparents you know, and their grandpas that were dentists before that and on and on. They do that because of interest, because there is a link. And so as marketers, my job is to convince you that it's not about how great of a dentist you are. It's about the person you are. And that's what you should be promoting to your existing patients, the people in the practice, not the procedures. Because nobody gives a shit about the procedures. I hope I can cuss. It's too late now. I think so too. I don't, I don't think yeah, anybody network, makes, we network, allows their kids to listen to ne- this. If yeah. they do, they've network, got, they've network, got issues. Network TV, uh, Kirstie, I love all of that, this, Jerry. I mean, that's, it's awesome. I mean, if I just take sure. a couple of things yeah. here and unpack some of this, because that is super powerful stuff, Jerry. And, you know, I think it kind of brings us back to a number of topics that we've already talked about. Uh, and this is, to be honest with you, this is something that I deal with too in my practice. You know, it's like when you worry when somebody's like, well, I found somebody cheaper, you know, and it's like, uh, I know I'm better. Yes, we might cost a little bit more, maybe, but it like, it still, you know, kind of irks you that you've lost a client or a patient. But, you know, it, it strikes me though that you know the the eighty twenty analysis, and looking at you know where do you get eighty percent of your revenue if it's from twenty percent of patients, like you can hear that everybody's listening to this they all heard it, but I think folks I think you have to do it, you know and like because if you do it then you really see it so when somebody that's one of the outliers goes you just can't let it you can't let that kind of you know, sort of dictate how you're going to run your practice. You know, just because somebody decided to go across the street to Taco Bell doesn't mean you turn Elvez into a Taco Bell, right? And I think it's so important to keep that in mind is sort of overall, what is the mission? What are you trying to deliver? And staying true to it. And if you have that, you know, that, that vision and that game plan, then when something comes up like this that's an outlier, you don't worry about it. You know, because you already have determined this is the way I want to run my business. This is the way I want to run my practice. This is the most profitable way to do it. And, you know, you know, Sally Smith decided that, you know, she wants to go someplace else. It's like, well, you know, we can't we can't stop the train for Sally Smith because we've got, you know, something bigger that we're looking to do and ties back into, you know, differentiating yourself and even more basic than differentiating differentiating yourself. And as Jerry's saying, it's about the people have an identity, you know, and and that's where identity turns into marketing and marketing your identity. And if you have your message, this is what we are and this is what we're about. And and you tell everybody in, in a real way, you know, so you attract the people that say, hey, I'm about that, too. You don't try to attract everybody because you can't make everybody happy. I, I like all of that. And Jerry, you've given us a lot of good insight. One of the things that I'll, I'll share is what I think of as one of the biggest problems in the dental space. And we use this, you're not going to have to come and have Elvez with us, but let's just say that Elvez nachos are $16. 
Chipotle's $9 and Taco Bell's $5. I think one of the problems to kind of bring this full circle with the scarcity mindset from dental school is that there's Elvez dentist accepting and providing Elvez nachos for Chipotle prices. And they're they're saying, I'm I'm too afraid to lose someone. And, and I, I believe, Jerry, and you may have seen this in your practice, that a lot of dentists that take a lot of insurance are actually great dentists. They give great service. They do a really good job. They just haven't looked at their practice like a business. So when the person leaves and goes down the street, they actually go to a good place. And I just look at that as an overall trend that if we podcast like this and things that you're sharing is creating some awareness because um, if you went to Elvez and said, I want to pay $9 for the $16 nachos, they would say you could go to Chipotle. In dental offices, you see, they say, okay, you can be right here. We're going to do it for you. And I just don't know if you've seen some of that with your clients or help clients change that mindset. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and the mindset's the challenge. You're 100% right. It's all in our heads. Every, everything that you and I and Rob have, or everything that we own, everything that we hold dear to our heart, our families, our businesses, whatever we quote-unquote own or possess, is all because of us, right? It's because of the things we've either done or not done. The businesses that we own, the customers we have, are our own fault, right? <laughs> um, unless you bought a business, well, then I guess even if you buy it, it's your own fault because you bought it. So it, it comes down to demonstrating to your patients that you have an interest in them. And by having an interest in them, they have an interest in you. So you, you ha- and you have to cause interest. It can't be like just once or twice a year when you see them. There has to be intention paid to, to developing rapport, relationships, trust. It can't be just when they're in the practice. So there has to be effort made outside of, of the practice of those practice visits. Um, it, it comes back. I know this is going to surprise the daylights out of you guys, but it comes back to regular, ongoing, consistent monthly communication to your best patients to that 20% that's giving you 80% of your profit. And you're telling them how much you love them. You're talking about people in the practice. You're sharing patient stories. This is all done in printed media that's mailed on a regular basis to increase referrals and to keep the ones that you have yours, keep them from straying off the reservation, if you will, if I can say that. I don't know who cares if it's political, but anyway. So uh, that, <laughs> he's cursing. Kind of, he's not politically correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jerry Jones, he goes uncensored. Keep going, just teasing Jerry. Yeah, no, that's okay. So I mean, you know, it, it, to, to me, it's all of all of the problems that we have, all the challenges that we have, are our own. And we've got to own them and we have to make decisions based on moving away from the problems we have. So if you've got, if you have, you know, if you're in a situation, you have a practice, you know, if you have a practice that is just not what you want, it's up to you to make the changes to change it. And nobody's going to change it for you. And time passing is not going to make the change. You know, I, I have this conversation with docs and it's like, well, you know, I'm just going to hang tight and see what happens. Well, I can tell you what's going to happen. We're going to have the same conversation six months from now <laughs> if you actually have balls to call me and tell me that. <laughs> Most of the that's time, great. that's not the case. They don't like my direct you know, approach. I scare them off, which is fine because I like working with people that, haven't, you know, that, that can take a hit. They can take a suggestion that's, that's meant to improve them, maybe not just sugarcoat it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we get that question a lot, uh, Paul. And it's, you know, it's, it, it really just goes back to what do you want, doctor? Do you want a practice that is running you or do you want a, or do you want a business that runs itself with really great people where you're the leader? And so much of this boils down to looking in the mirror. Who's the boss? Am I the leader in my practice? Do we even have a leader in my practice? Am I a good leader? Am I doing the things a good leader does? I mean, you know, this all comes back to that, that personal responsibility. 
I think what you've done is, and what it's, you've really hit the, you, you've done the nail hitting of our entire podcast is that I do this uh, thing called the New Dentist Boost Camp for New Dentists, and we talk about developing your clinical skills, your patient communication skills, and your mind skills and leaderships in there. And I just think, unfortunately, since dental school ignores some of the most important things that when by the time they're talking to Rob Montgomery for an asset purchase agreement or Paul Goodman for buyer coaching, and they're ready to embark on their on their journey as practice owners, they haven't been developing these muscles, stretching these muscles from what should have been done in dental school. And I mean, all I want, and it, you know, when people tell me there's not enough time for this in dental school. I just think they should just start to create some awareness to use a Rob term of that. These are important skills that you need for survival. And then you need to talk to someone like Jerry Jones and go over your plan or, or be a leader. And, but unfortunately they focus so much on the clinical skills, which you have your entire life to develop that it just puts, and you probably know it just like that dentist who says, I'm going to hang tight. That's not a good leadership decision. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and you, and you said you develop skills over a period of time. They don't come, you know, they're not just given to you naturally. The most important skills for success in any venture, it doesn't matter if you work for someone or if you want your own business, you have to be able to get up in the morning and go, I'm ready. I'm responsible today for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to let somebody else be responsible for my success or failure. It's all on me. And that, you know, that, that's got, that message is just is not delivered. You know, when I, I interviewed probably well over 100 probably closer to 200 dentists in a period of 15 years to fill positions in my practices. And I can't tell you how many times I would be talking to a fourth year who was about ready to graduate just, you know, days away and they're giddy. And I said, tell me a little bit about your work history. What have you done before? You know, what have you done up to now? And I just get this deer in the headlights look, Oh shit. Um, well, I've, uh, uh, I've actually never had a job. What? You're 24 years old and you've never had a job. Yeah. This is the kind of, this is the kind of people coming out of co- coming out of university, coming out of dental school, uh, coming out of law school too. Welcome and, to my world. And too. I mean, just, we just we interview people, kind of. and you know, I'm amazed. You know, it's like, but the problem is, it's not their fault sometimes yeah, because you know, to get into you know graduate school, dental school, law school, whatever, like you have to have these great grades. And so, it's like, if you have like a normal life and you've got like something a quote unquote, you know, I was going to use a, a term from the '70s, you're well rounded, yeah, right? right? Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah, used yeah, to be yeah. that used to be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Now, like you know you're off the back if you if you're not you know quote unquote specializing in something at the age of 14 yeah you know it, it's hard for those people to uh to, to bring you know have any kind of like real life experience but yeah that's what we all deal with now it's a tough it's 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 the nature of the beast but it's a tough thing to navigate jerry how, how did we get here though that's my question is how you know was it that much different or is perception have expectations changed how did you get where you're at, Rob? Because I'm pretty sure, you know, somebody didn't just open up the door to law school and said, come on in, Rob Montgomery, let's, let's educate you. And Paul, same for you. I'm sure it wasn't just like, well, Paul, congratulations. I'm going to anoint you dentist, right? I mean, that's not how it works. Most of the I things I learned was being a server at a restaurant. And that was like, that. you know, I did that for a long time. I really enjoyed that. I think as, as I have younger children than, than Rob, but I think what we'll see is we we don't have the jobs available for young people to to exercise real world experience like I, like I did and I I'm concerned about that right because that's where I learned a lot of face to face interaction problem solving working as part of a team things not going going great I know whether you're a lifeguard a caddy something else uh I see that as a challenge. But it's changing though, even though beyond that, you know, we're getting very philosophical here today, but yeah. <laughs> you know, you'll see as, as your kids get older too, there's this like, you know, 
forced towards like you know specializing and being on the traveling soccer team yeah. and and you know being the best lacrosse and swimming or whatever the sport is and you know i i went through the the swimming drill before before it was cool to specialize and and, and suffered <laughs> greatly for it you know and uh, whatever i am today that's where your bedtime came up from you're always up at 4 a.m that was no it. kidding <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah i did you know for, i woke up at 4 55 every day for for years of my my teenage life so it's like when i see my daughter now you know in a, a sleepover where she you know goes to bed at 2 30 in the morning i'm like my wife is asking me like i can't relate to that i don't know you <laughs> yeah, know yeah. like i was getting ready to get up you yeah, know yeah. and swim you know 10 miles at that time <laughs> but you know it is different and it's hard to say exactly why or when it changed but it has changed and so you know i can't really fault these people because you know it's so hard like you look now and see like what kind of gpa you need to have and sat scores to get into what used to be kind of like you know fallback schools for people uh it is you know the the stakes have gotten you know really a lot higher and it's gotten harder but you know i i feel like you know just as a human and as a, a parent of a human you know that what we all you know try to preach is you know just get out of the conga line yeah, for god's sakes you know and whether you're talking to your five-year-old your 13-year-old your 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 client you know or a young dental student or a, an associate you know what clearly doesn't work is to do what everybody else is doing you know and if you sit around and as jerry said you know stand around and wait to see what's going to happen you know other people the innovators are going to blow by you yeah. you know and <laughs> you can't just expect to just kind of go along and make the donuts right you know you know everybody's probably sick of me hearing talk about that commercial but it was it time to make the donuts time to make the donuts right you know you have to like take a step back and think about you know what do i need to do to be different how do i differentiate myself how do i deliver better dental services how do i deliver better legal services how do i hire better people how do i attract better team members how do i make my patient experience better paul these are all topics that yeah. we've had guests come and on and, and, and hit it different ways but asked, that's that's the difference and you said some good jerry's you know i think it's a perfect concept to for us to wrap up on is that We've had Todd Fleischman and Lewis Chen on this podcast. Ask them what they've done because it's very not ordinary things. I mean, outside of the clinical, say, how did you get to be where you are? Lewis Chen, a multi-practice owner, five years out of school. And how did you get to be where you are? Todd Fleischman, an owner of an outstanding practice in Philadelphia. And they'll tell you about that journey from the beginning and, you know, embrace some of that and do those things and ask those people. And you're going to see none of those things that were taught in dental school or taught by, like Rob says, following, or you said, following the norm. It's, it's doing those not ordinary things to get you there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Well, Jerry, you have to promise to come back again because I think we've yeah. got some other volume two, some other big Jerry Jones. Uh, I get a beep that, button know, next time, Jerry. I'll just I'll just beep out. You can you can be well take delay. It's like beep if you did. Say whatever you want. Let it rip. God help. God help anybody that's driving around with like listening to us on their car and making their kids listen yeah, yeah. to us. I mean, I thank you. we obviously appreciate all listeners, but man, oh man, that's that's torture, uh, Jerry. Um, how uh, how can people uh, you know learn more about Jerry Jones Direct and uh, and how can they get in touch with uh, with you? Well, there's two ways, and we you know the the theme of this 
call, this, this podcast was about decommoditizing dentistry in a sense and, you know, trying to find your own way to compete against the big chains and win. I actually have a CD and DVD series that I, uh, it's not a series rather, but just a, a package of DVD and CD. I'd be happy to send to your listeners for free. Cool. Um, just uh, send me an email if that's okay. I mean, if it's not okay, you know, tell them no after I'm done. Tell them no worries. I know my stuff for our listeners my, my is people, great. My people, the dentist, they love the free, Jerry. So that's, I, 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 I know them listeners, well. Listeners though, if Jerry's giving you some free stuff, Give us a good review, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, like, no, that's no. all we ask. Yeah. It's not free. Oh, Jerry will send this to you if you give us a good review. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, so after you go to iTunes and give this uh, podcast a five-star review, send me an email, jerry at jerryjonesdirect.com, and just say, Jerry, send me the decommoditizing dentistry uh, CD, DVD. I'll drop it in the mail. I literally have another hundred of these, and uh, they're they're from a presentation I did um, a couple years ago, but it's as applicable today as it was a couple years ago when I gave the presentation. But it's yours, uh, free. Just you know, send me your address and I'll send it over to you. Um, and uh, otherwise, if you want to hear from me on a regular basis, go to jerryjonesdirect.com. Opt in for my um, for my uh, daily email. There's a two hundred ninety three dollar free gift I bribe you with, so you get my daily email. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the best way to get in touch with me. I mean, I've given you my email address and, and, a, and a free DVD, CD collection. So, yeah, that's the best way. That's cool. We'll put that up in the show notes, of course. And, and thanks, Jerry, for that. And so for, like, I guess it's the first hundred or so listeners, you know, and, you know, supplies limited. I like that. And Jerry, will will we'll ship that out. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for doing that, Jerry. And thanks. Uh, thanks so much for, for being on the show. Lots of just great insight and content for uh, for our listeners. And uh, we had uh, we had fun doing it, too. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks. I appreciate it, guys. I knew Jerry would have some good stuff. Yeah, that was great. You know, to use a, a term you use, maybe you did want to be a dentist in another life, Rob, when you say drill down. I mean, just, you know, when we, we get a lot of great content like that, but we drill down on this scenario that's happening to me personally as an owner operator that's happening more and more. And it's like, not, you know, don't take your ball and go home. Don't cry in your nacho soup, whatever that means, but, to, but be aware of these things and how you can take steps to make it a little bit better. As Jerry was saying, you know, uh, decommoditizing things you do, differentiating yourself. Those right. are, all important things that I just want dental students to start thinking about as they go through on their journey to being a dental practice owner. Yeah, and you know, it's really all about planning and just yeah. you know, really looking at what you want and and what your vision is for your practice and then being true to it. You know, like it gets a lot easier to to deal with and to filter out sort of the outliers if you know the direction you're yeah. going in, you know. And I think, you know, and, and this comes up in so many contexts and so many, you know, different businesses and, you know, self-help, motivational books and you see this but you know it's really true you know it's if you want to have stress and you want to have people bother you and and events bother you it's like try not to have a, any direction you know right. and, and that's and that's when that stuff that's when it really impacts you but when you really know where you're going what you want to do and the people around you know where you're going and what you want to do then you know all this other stuff just kind of falls in line or just kind of blows away you know and at the end of the day you know you've got you know, the the practice and the business that that you want you serve the people that you want the way you want to and the people that don't want to be in that club yeah that's yeah, right. Then I think that's really important, especially it's more important now more than ever, especially in general dentistry. So I think, you know, taking those steps and, and treating your treating your dental practice like the business that it is. Yeah. And it's hard. You know, I, I, I admit it. I understand it. It's a challenge to any professional. Yeah. 
You know, we've, you know, you've heard me talk about this a number of times that, you know, you have to, you know, take a step back and stop letting, you know, the profession run your business and run your business like a business. And, yeah. and it's, it's a big trap for professionals because we are professional, you know, and that's what we've been trained to do. Yeah. You know, we haven't been trained to be business people. We've been trained to be professional clinicians. And, but, you know, the other thing too, that I think is, is important in, in that that we talked about with Jerry and the kind of in the context of what I'm talking about now is you have to realize when that when things start to change, you know, when yeah. it shifts. And it's like, hey, you know what? I don't need to take everything under the sun anymore. I don't need to take all those insurances. I don't need to be everything to everybody because I've now evolved into a different place. And it's just like any other business. As the business evolves, you know, so too should your marketing, how you manage, how you're organized, you know, the whole approach changes. But if you're not looking at yourself and your business on a regular basis, then you miss when when totally. the change has occurred, right? And then then you just be one of these people that does the same damn thing for 35 years and wonders why, you know, they're kind of stuck with a with a dying practice and with with nobody that wants to work with them. And it's, you know, to pick out the, the nacho chip that we've heard is a recurring theme and just to just to drive home is that we've heard about in in-house membership clubs multiple times here on the podcast as a way to to battle some of this. So I encourage Dennis, whether it's a nacho sponsor, whether it's somebody heard heard of before, to do one good thing to put your practice in a different place than it was today. Yeah. You know, you know, too many dentists say, I don't need that, I'm not so sure. And then you miss out on do on doing a new thing that can that as you as you said, you know, compete against what some of these bigger practices are doing. Yeah. Compete. You know, that's it. You know, try try something new. Right. Try yeah, yeah. It. Just you might find like out. It. That's my thing. Yeah, you just might find like out. it. Yeah, it yeah. may work. And yeah. you know what? If it didn't, then you try something yeah, else. Yeah. You know? Very good point. It's none of this is complicated, but it's like the the few people, you know, we're lucky enough to have them on the show, yeah. right? But the people that actually think outside the box and actually focus on what they're doing and how they're gonna do it seem to prosper wildly. Very you know? true. So there's no mystery, right? You know, if you just stick with the crowd, you're just gonna end up with the crowd. Yeah. You know, uh, but you can you can do better. And uh, you know, too, it's great that Jerry's uh, offered to do this for our listeners. So you know, encourage everybody yeah, to uh, grab that, take advantage of that, and and write us some good reviews too. Yeah, yeah you know, it's nice reviews, not your fans. Well, thanks for having fun. Great, always great talking. Fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos, and don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.